listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 523. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion of season two of the Apple TV Plus series, Foundation. So you are back to work. Mm -hmm. Is this day three or day four Uh, today? Day three today. Okay, so uh, you're enjoying the meetings, I'm sure. God, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's Sorry. the line in the uh, the first Lethal Weapon movie where uh, Danny Glover keeps saying, "I'm too old for this shit." <laughs> starting yeah, to, I hear you. I'm like, I've been doing this the same stupid. Like, okay, I mean, I'm just gonna take. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna say the one thing. I mean, you know, every year we would have to fill out our schedule for the supervisor, and we'd have to fill in the times of the periods. I'm like. The, the period times are the same for every high school in the whole county. Why do I have to fill in the times for each period? Like, what? They, like, they always say, well, well, it's when they come to observe you. They, no supervisor has observed me since 2000 and freaking one, two, 2002. Yeah. You know, it's like, no. So, why am I the, yeah, oh my God. It's just it's just stuff like that that's starting to break me, man. Sorry well, for that. Maybe you can help me out here. No, no, that's okay. Uh, maybe you can help me out. We right. we got a wedding invitation today. Yep. Uh, via text, and that that's fine via because te- it's, a wedding it's, invitation. All right. Yeah. Well, it's one of our one of our younger uh, family members. Yeah, but still. And there there's a part on their wedding attire. Okay. And here's where I need your help. All right. Witchy, uh, Ren Fair, and Mythical Beasts. Oh. Oh. It's a costume thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know what you just said about being too old for this shit? Yeah. You, I'm going to throw on some black, ge- gonna... black jeans, a black t-shirt, and <laughs> I'm good. All right. You're not going to dress up in your uh, medieval renaissance gear? Like, you know. Uh, no. I don't know if I have any uh, Renaissance gear, but uh, actually, Michael, I think that's, I don't know if he still does it. I know he used to oh, yeah? uh, attend Renaissance fairs cool. quite a bit, but. Yeah, uh, I went to anyway, the Renaissance uh, uh, a couple Michael, times. It's fun. It's a good time. Yeah. And, and Michael, no, I, I don't need any costumes. So I'm good. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not making fun right, of, anyway. of, of dress up like that. I'm just, I'm making fun of your niece sending that to you because that is, yeah. you know, a uh, what do we call it Incon- incongruous yes so uh anyway actually it wasn't my niece but or whoever, um, yeah, I mean, whoever. yeah yeah the family yeah. member but, i don't know uh, why. I just, yeah, yeah so. now, now, anyway uh <laughs> if you guys want to contact us feedback whatever sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can do that and check out the facebook group if you haven't done that all right as far as news i i pretty sure you saw because i think you responded yeah. to the news that peripheral has not been picked Come up on, after man. all just like for, really yeah i mean i don't i mean i get it but i don't get it it's like why renew it and then revoke the renewal i mean what happened in the interim did it suddenly become more unpopular or yeah, so, I, I don't get it. I, I mean, I don't, and I don't know how, but I assume, and from what I read, it seems like it's somehow tied into the the writers and actors' strike. Uh, 
But I mean, it just still doesn't still doesn't make like why do you cancel a show because a strike a strike that affects every production in television movies everything you know so i don't know yeah it's mine so i'm gonna keep reading the uh novel and i guess that will just have to be enough and yeah yeah, that's somewhere down the road is I, i i went and looked at baltimore county library i'm like you know now i'm gonna get the novel out as soon as i'm done reading the book that i'm currently on i'm gonna get the peripheral and start working on that yeah and one of the things i love about the peripheral novel is that the chapters are literally two pages long, which for me, Mr. Uh, Short Attention Span, I I love it. The long chapters are like four pages. So, you know. No, this gives you when you're starting to get a little sleepy, you know, you can can get through the rest of the chapter. Exactly. Before uh, uh, popping in the old bookmark. All right. Well, what I'm watching, or rather this week, what I'm not watching – I mentioned last week the Russian Netflix series To the Lake. And, dude, it's just one trope too many. And when the trope surrounding the little kid and and no physical danger befell this kid, at least doesn't appear, and I don't think it's going to be. But it's just like, how many effing stupid things is this little kid going to do before I've had enough and dude, I had enough. So I'm out of there. Um, And, you know, I, I, I checked out this show on HBO max that I've had my eye on for a while and I could never get uh, my wife to check it out. And what I did last night, you know, she fell asleep a little bit early. So what I'll often do is just check out some shows, watch the first episode and then report back and it's called In Absentia, and it stars Stana Kaddick from Castle. You know who she is, Sure, right? yeah, 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 absolutely. Oh, okay, right. So she is an FBI agent who's been missing for six years and presumed dead, except she's not. Just pops up back and to work. She comes back, and unfortunately... Uh, her husband's kind of moved on and like, all right, it's pretty good. I, I, I can, you know, see, see a lot of room for development. There's three seasons. If, so if, if you were know, married I'm, to Stan Academic, man, I would probably give her more than six years. Though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And, and you feel bad. The hotness his, factor his is just, new- you figure seven minimum. You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, his new wife seems like an, a good person, but. Anyway, so we'll we'll see where that goes. I won't get into the international shows that we're still watching, but uh, you know, maybe next week. All right, what do you got? Um, so I, I I did go back to Succession. I said that I would give it another go, um, and I've gotten through season one. Probably, I think I'm like three episodes into season two, and it's. I mean, I listen. I I get it. I understand as I'm watching. I understand that this is very well written. And uh, it's the very well acted. Everything, all the aspects of what makes a great show are definitely there. It's just still tough for me as a plebeian to swallow all this patrician BS. You know, like I don't like, and I know like they literally, they don't want you 
to like any of the characters. You're supposed to kind of despise all of them and everything. And but it's just like I feel like I need like someone to root for. I guess poor Greg, I guess, maybe he's like kind of hoping for the plucky goofy guy, but otherwise, like everyone's just terrible. Every like everyone, like even the people who are supposed to be kind of good are are bad sure. and it's just like and, and, and I, you know i get that that's exactly what they're going for yeah i don't know it's just so it's i mean i'm I, i'm not saying i'm not enjoying it because i am i mean i've watched you know now 13 episodes of it you know i'm in um but uh i'm not lerving it i guess i could say i can understand that and, and you know if you had had showtime i'd recommend billions which i've mentioned before right. with paul giamatti and uh damian lewis but yeah so a man can only have so many streaming services. Yeah, that's true. I've got plenty. I'm, I'm actually maybe now that uh, I'm done with Strange New Worlds, as I found out the la- you know last week, I was saying I, I was hoping that the last episode of that was uh, the first part of a two parter, and very well might be. But the second part isn't going to happen until season three. So um, yeah, that was that was a bit of an unfortunate shock when I went and read it up about it and saw that. So. Um, but now that Strange New Worlds is done, like I can probably uh, put the Paramount Plus. And I know I've said this multiple times in the past, but this time I mean it. I'm going to cancel Paramount Plus for a little while. Maybe maybe pick it up whenever Discovery starts again. But so hey, this is funny. The other day, like I was just like uh, my wife at work had to put this Lego thing together. Like it's a little kangaroo. And the blocks were little, tiny, like not even like regular Lego sized blocks. They were minuscule. They were so hard. It was such a difficult thing. So she gave it to me to put together. And while I'm doing that, she just turns on. We're just flipping the stations. Pull up Mr. Deeds, uh, I'm the Adam Sandler movie that I'm sure you're very familiar with, right? You've seen a couple. Well, of I know of it, but I've never yeah. seen it. <laughs> I've never seen it either. But okay. the oh, okay. big bad in Mr. Deeds is none other than one Mr. Jared Harris. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was, he plays like this Australian reporter who's trying to bring down Mr. Deeds and everything. So, yeah, it was, it was funny. Like, it just, I wasn't really paying attention, but then I heard his voice. I looked at him like, what the hell? Jared Harris, man. So, and everything. So. Um, and actually, watching Lee Pace now in Foundation, I – you know, I'm thinking about maybe I don't even know where Pushing Daisies is, but you know, he was in a show in the early aughts called Pushing Daisies, which I'm probably sure many of you know about, but you might not. It was just I don't even know if they got a full first season. Um, it definitely didn't go any more than well, maybe it did. I don't I don't think it went more than one season. It seemed like it was a very short life show, but it was great. It was a really really good show, very quirky. Uh, you would not recognize Lee Pace at all. He's just like you see him here, and he's like freaking buff as all get out, man. Uh, but in Pushing Daisies, he was this little tiny spindly guy. It's like I, I'm still in my mind. I can't even reconcile that the two are the the same person. But uh, now, have you seen Halt and Catch Fire? I have not. That's another one I've kind oh. of always wanted to to check out, but have not. Yeah, I mean that's my first experience with Lee Pace, okay. and uh, I can't th- I can't think of the actress's name, Mackenzie Davis, who's the lead in uh, Oh Station Eleven. Oh, and, and all right. She's the she's the female lead in Halt and Catch oh, okay. Fire. Is it's really good. I don't know where it's available yeah, or any either. of that, but but anyway, that, that'd be a recommend if anyone out there is you know 
uh, Pushing Daisies was was definitely worth it. It was a very good series that, so of course, got uh, canceled. All right. Well, something that didn't get canceled, at least not yet anyway, and that is Foundation, Season 2, Episode 2, titled A Glimpse of Darkness, well, written by Jane Espin. They're quick, man. Like, we've already met the mule. Like, I just tried not to even mention them, and here we are. Where episode two of season two, and they got the mule is already involved. It's like, what the? All right, then. Well, I don't remember. I mean, I've read the first book, Foundation. I guess I read it for the third time about a year ago, but it's been quite a while since I read Foundation and Empire and Second Foundation. So, you know, when you say we're we're getting to them, uh, the mule already. Uh, I'm kind of well, fuzzy on the all the mule that. is in. Uh, Can't remember. He's now. in this. He's in uh, Foundation Empire, which is the second book. But we don't realize his what he is until like the end of the book. All of a sudden, we realize like he had been. And I, I can say this now because it's not. We've we've seen the mule. He's clearly someone who is formidable. But in the book, he's like uh, like a, a jester and a clown for most of the book. And also at the end, he reveals he's got these astounding powers of the mind and everything. So uh, we've already seen that. So, you know, this is no, um, you know, the, 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 this, the mule in, in found, the show Foundation is about, seems about as different from the, the actual mule than, uh, than the book. Um, so, you know. We'll see. But either way, he is uh, an adversary, um, someone who is looking for – we see already they've revealed he's looking for the second foundation, um, which, again, is – that's the whole third book. That's what that – so they're already, like, you know, into stuff from book three in, you know, the second episode of season two here. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, let, let me before, – before we keep going, written by Jane Espenson and David S. Goyer. Directed by David S. Goyer, released July twenty first, two thousand twenty three. Now, now you mentioned that, and, and a, a friend of mine who uh, posted in the Facebook group, uh, Jay, I'm talking to you, and, and and you know, Jay and I have known each other for you know, literally over forty years um, in all various sorts of uh, relationships, and you know, he's a huge sci fi fan, writes sci fi himself. And and he was asking in the Facebook group, you know, how closely the show mirrors the novels. And I forget my exact answer, but loosely based on the novels is being generous. Yes. <laughs> so, and 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 that's fine. That's you fine. Know, again, absolutely, we, absolutely. We, right. We we've talked about that in all sorts of situations before. So you know, you you bring up the mule. And, and the second foundation, and, and clearly there's that that fear that that we see from the mule as, as he, you know, I, I guess has that in, encounter with with Gale in the future, and like, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be the future. How far into the future do we do we find out? Is it? She say like 150, 150 years? years? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and that on, the only thing that can stop him from bringing everything into darkness is, I, I, I guess, keeping the second foundation alive, 
you know, for, for lack of a, a, a right. better term. So, well, even before we get to that, that, that opening scene um, where Harry is angrily confronting Gail, uh, the ship's weathering a bad storm, and, and we're thinking like, oh, wait, wait a minute, they're still in the water, didn't they you know, bring it up from the bottom <laughs> they did, yeah. quite a while ago? But, but that, that was like at the know, end, to, right? Like um, Salvor was like, couldn't get the airborne, right? There was still something wrong with it, and that's why she was like, we need Harry to you know do like get involved with the computer and fix this stuff right and and i you know when she goes outside to clear the the vent that's preventing them from you know actually getting airborne and i I kept waiting we've mentioned on several occasions over the past few months dr strangelove i kept waiting for that (laughs) that, you know you know the, the the ship's going airborne and 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 there's you know yeah. uh, Salvor With a hanging on for head. dear life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, no, we don't get that. But but that more to the point, that conversation centers around the fact that the plan has gone off course. And on on the one hand, you feel like ah, oh, Harry, see, you don't know everything after all. Now, granted, as you pointed out last week, he, he admits he doesn't necessarily know the small stuff but you know when you're talking centuries and certainly millennia he's pretty confident in his ability to make predictions well i I think we can also confirm that as gail said before that the plan is indeed diverging from where it's supposed to be um because i I think i had said before oh well this might just be harry's plan for this to happen like this and everything but uh, I think he pretty much confirms at this point that, yeah, like the, things are not going to plan. Right. So now it, it's a question of what do they do to get things on the right path? And we don't see a whole lot of them in this episode. I mean, we see see a, a fair amount, but that, that, that scene when Salvor gets back inside the ship and Gail just runs to her and hugs her. And, and you see how Salvor, it, it makes her a little bit uncomfortable. And, and the two of them have talked about the fact that they've got to work out this relationship that, I, I mean, it's the epitome of weirdness. Yeah, <laughs> so right, you get right. that. It's but like, you just, you're my just, mom, but I'm older than you. Um, yeah. Time travel, right. what are you going to do? Gail, you know? Yeah, man. But Gail's innocence, it just I, I just really love that scene and, and the way it that was uh, a great transpired. Scene. Yeah, and because yeah. I mean that was the whole thing. Like I mean, obviously Gail taking needing a minute to process this, right? Like all of a sudden Salvo just says, Hey mom, long time no see, you know, and uh, you know, like that that takes some working through and um I might have been a little harsh on her last week and you know, when I rewatched it again, I was like Oh, you know, Gail's reaction is pretty, I would think, fairly normal. You know, like someone just pops up your doorstep, says she's your daughter. You were never pregnant or anything. So that comes as a bit of a shock to you. And so, you know, that, that takes some time to work through it. But then in that hug, it just seems like, okay, now she's kind of, even as weird as it is, she accepts that there's a connection between the two of them, at least. It's not your necessarily normal mother-daughter relationship but there is a strong connection between the two yeah and now the two of them have to 
also cope with the fact that Harry is back in their lives, except it's not really Harry. I mean, it is really Harry, but, but as we said last week, there are two of them who apparently have different memories maybe isn't exactly the right word. I mean, they, they face different challenges. They possess slightly different information. Right. And they're not able to access what each other knows. Right. So the Harry back on uh, Terminus is, you know, dealing with stuff there, but he doesn't know what the Harry in outer space knows and, and what's going on out there. Right, and we still haven't seen the Harry on Terminus yet. We well, we did thought we were going to. We did where in uh, in, in this episode? Season one. No, season one. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, in this episode, right? right, right. Yeah, yeah. He right. just uh, man, that that one guy. Holy cow! Right now, I, I I feel like I have a better handle on the story after you know watching this episode twice, uh, episode one twice. But they're still throwing a lot at us. Why does Gale stop Harry from starting the second foundation? I mean, we we hear that said, unless I well, she, she didn't per se, except that it was supposed to be Raish who went down the terminus. And I think okay, so Gale maybe okay. was either. Was she was supposed to be the one to go start it or something? Like, I don't know. It, it's all because she walks in and sees Raish killing Harry, freaks out. Raish puts her in the pod and sends her out when it was supposed to be him. Right. Okay. Oh, and Jerry. So Raish, I think, was supposed to go start the second foundation, and Gail was supposed to go to Terminus with everybody and else. Gail of, and Gail, of course, doesn't know that she's supposed to, and I'm making air quotes, start the second foundation. Right. How but could she, she know? Right, because yeah, she wasn't in on the plan. So, you know, by by Raish putting her in the pod that he was supposed to go into to escape, instead of Raish escaping to start the second foundation, Gale does, and Raish is killed by the, the, the original foundationers for, you know, killing Harry. So, right. So we it's find out that- he, he screwed the whole thing. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's true to to a large extent. Um, so, you know, so we hear about the Second Foundation. We, we have a better handle on the Second Foundation's importance in keeping Empire in check, particularly with the impending war. Salvor is part of the First Foundation. And, and of course, she's got her own sense of, you know, the people that comprise First Foundation, except anybody that's at First Foundation, uh, except for uh, Polly, is dead, right? I mean, Polly's the only one that was alive the last time Harry appeared. Yeah, well, those people are all dead, dead. I mean, it's been Yeah, that's what years. I mean. Right, right. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So, the, so the, there's no one, you know, her. Like, literally no one that right, either of them right. knows that. Right, right. So, you know, the the first foundation that she knows is long gone. And, you know, while, you know, we get a little bit of a sense of what's happened here and, and it doesn't necessarily look all that great, I, I, I think this would be 
somewhat unrecognizable to Salvor. The, the other thing in this episode is this whole idea with religion and science and magic. And, mm-hmm. and again, you know, a lot of that does appear in the book. And, and we're introduced to Brother Constant and, and of course, Polly Verisoff, who is now cleric uh, Polly Verisoff. And, and, you know, we saw him as a child in season one. But this whole idea of Harry as a prophet and the way this religion of Harry Seldon has evolved over the 138 years. Is that what it is? Can't oh, the, the cleric was one of the kids? Yeah. Oh, that's po- okay. that's Polly. Now, all right, all right. I did not make that connection at all. Yeah. So, um, again, and, and that's the, you know, why he feels a certain amount of, I mean, ownership to, to a certain extent, but, but certainly he feels it, it's due him to maybe not be the only one that comes face to face with Harry, but certainly to be in that group and not running crowd control as the new warden orders him to do. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, but the whole idea about how this religion has kind of, morphed in, into this combination of science and magic and uh, yeah i mean i mean again obviously religion is based on faith and that that accept that there are things that are unknowable but here it, it seems a, a lot different than than the religion that we're used to here in the 21st century for sure right yeah. And, 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 you know, what takes place on Terminus is, or I, I'm not sorry, not on Terminus, on uh, Suena, the, the Outer Reach, mm-hmm. where, you, you know, the whole idea that uh, you've been abandoned by Empire and, you know, we, we are here to, you know, take care of you. And then, you know, just things are borderline out of control, certainly um you know it, things could go south in a hurry but yeah well and uh, you know everything here you know, we, we see that you know as you said psychohistory has turned into a religion with harry selden as you know kind of representative of of you know it, the the connections between early christianity here and the the um you know the clerics going out to preach the gospel of selden is fairly on the nose i think um, it's not hard to hard hard to miss that, and you know it's the same thing. Like even like you know someone who sacrificed himself for goods and everything like that, and they perform these deeds of of supernatural uh, abilities that you know help convince the people that they are beyond uh, has have powers beyond this world, and then therefore this religion is something you know beyond this world. Right, and how they pull a lot of this magic off, you know, is certainly unclear. I mean, they have a a certain level of technological advancement that, that clearly uh, helps with them. But, you know, that whole idea that the prophet will return, the savior will return, as you you said, it's the connections are unmistakable, certainly to, to Christianity, but they are called back 
And, you know, of course, as, as I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, they're, they're called back to terminus because the vault is apparently opening, you know, and we see that, that scene where the null field is clearly deactivated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the last time we, we were here, uh, you know, was in season one, and, and you know we, we saw those scenes where people would go out there, and then they're just fighting against the the null field to see how far they could get, and then plant their flag, and and um, you know here none of that matters, and and in fact nobody's even carrying a flag. I don't right. I don't think no, but you know the vault opens. There's no Harry. Uh, cryptic message about. Hober Mallow, which I think you mentioned last week. Yeah. But but that that phrase and assume it refers to Hober Mallow that he pierced the side of Empire. I'm sorry, that that's the mule says that to Gale. So are we to think, and and again, this is you know, it gets kind of dicey in this spoiler uh arena about yeah. um you know how much we say, because well, again for me just- I've I've yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish up. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, it, it it appears that Hober Mallow may be Foundation's savior, and I don't want to overstate it too much, but right. that if he pierced the side of Empire, then Sounds pretty is he going to be the one that, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, you know, I, I had said last week how they mentioned the name Hober Mallow and the mule that that was the name I didn't want to reveal because I didn't know how they were going to roll the mule out like like I said in the books we don't know who the mule is until the end of the book like he's in the whole book of uh, Foundation Empire but we don't realize his full importance till the end and you know they mentioned the mule and Hober Mallow in like the very first voiceover which I hate uh, in the, the very first episode of the series uh, but it's funny because of how important a part that Hober Mallow plays right from the jump of the book Foundation and Empire. But here everyone's like, who's Hober Mallow? Like he's a complete unknown. So I, you know, I find that pretty refreshing. I like that. You know, like it's they, they and that's what like we've said so many times, like the, the, the show is, is doing their own thing. Um, and that's great. You know, like I, I don't hold it to any standard. Like you have to do what the book does or anything like that. I, I, I love where they're going with it. And I love how you have this character who is one of the absolute central characters in the foundation story. And like, no one even knows who he is. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, the, that scene where the warden rises into the air and, you know, on the one hand, I'm thinking, all right, dude, you got what you deserve because of uh, your disrespect of Polly. Yeah. That's probably a bit harsh on that. That's a end. bit harsh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he but, had a little but, bit of hubris he, going, though. You know, like that was he, his thing. Yeah. He did. Now, I, I will say that I did find the fact that there's a certain level of reverence for Salver Harden. To, to be somewhat refreshing now granted maybe he's just saying that because that's what people want to hear and all right whatever but i didn't expect him to uh burst into flames and turn to ash or whatever but, no, but before that, that i thought you know, he'd get like a little shock or something maybe uh, get a little bit of hober mallow get hober mallow right so i mean so now you know, the people have heard 
the name Hober Mallow, it's, it's apparently imprinted on the, this transformed version of the vault. So who's going to be tasked with getting Hober Mallow? Um, I mean, right. obviously, you know, do, do we know where Gail and Salvor and Harry are headed? Are they, are they headed to Terminus? Are they headed to Trantor? I don't, like I don't know if we know yet. Yeah, well, speaking of Trantor, I mean, you know, Cleon, and we talked a little bit about this last week, seems intent on changing how the line of succession works. And he's, for all intents and purposes, ending the Cleonic reign. Right. And I, and I think his bride asks him, well, what's going to happen to all the, the, what are they called? I don't know. The, you know, the glass containers that have, uh, embryos or whatever they are in there yeah what, what's going to happen and i think he says something about how they're going to be drained but their energy is going to be you know converted somehow and then she's like oh that's pretty cool but she is she is um justifiably concerned about this plan to go back to uh inherited imperial position right uh she's you know she raises a lot of good issues like well, you know, if the one kid dies, that you, got, you know, you're gonna need, you might need others. Well, then that also could have problems as well as every monarchy ever has discovered, right? That um, when you have, in, you know, a, a monarchy that inherits its position from a previous generation, there are oftentimes big problems that go along with it. Well, and you wonder, given the technology that exists, despite Cleon's desire to head off in this new direction whether maybe when push comes to shove they adopt some sort of a hybrid model that all right we we've given birth to our first child the old-fashioned way or you know close to the old-fashioned way she's you're not expecting intercourse are you um but but you wonder when then will they perhaps clone that first child just to have a backup just in case yeah i mean until the second child is born and and so on i mean you wonder because like you said uh, her her fears are not unreasonable no for not sure at all. they're very extremely reasonable like it seems right. like she might have thought this out a little bit better than the cleon has actually what we see here is you know we start to think about like the, the actual the reality of his, this desire to, you know, become closer to their genetic origins, as he said. And it just, you start to kind of maybe see the wisdom in the whole, you know, Cleon plan of just cloning himself. And it just, it's going to be me all the time. And, and then we're raised the exact same way. We hold the fork the same way, everything. So that to make sure that every other Cleon is exactly like, the one before, um, you know, we kind of get how that can make a more stable, at least, position of empire here. And, and honestly, any, you know, him losing like touch with the people he rules, if that's like kind of seems to be his concern, I mean, that's not because of genetics, dude. That's because you don't care about the people he rule, really. You know, you just. You care about yourself. You care about the power. You care about the empire. But you know, like, so you're not well, losing right. touch because of anything biological about you. It's just right. 
Right. And, and, and on the one hand, we're so focused on that idea as it relates to empire, but that, that line that, that Harry tells Salvor and Gale that a foundation left unchecked becomes empire all over again so that it's easy to just focus in on the downside of empire and and the the cleonic dynasty but as i said a a couple minutes ago you know when uh polly and brother constant get back to terminus and and they are in that meeting room which I, i think he makes some sort of a comment about you know how expensive it looks and and uh, you know who, who's lining their pockets with uh, you know whatever just certainly implying that this has gone far beyond serving the people um you know so so that whole idea that okay maybe foundation isn't even close to dealing with the problems of empire you know they've taken that first step perhaps so mm-hmm. anyway uh what else um i still got more uh, to talk about so I, I know a lot of times i say what else when i'm, I'm, right, I'm, right, right. I'm well, exhausted all one my thing notes that, you know when we're talking about cleon is that the i'm, I'm sorry i can't remember the name of the, the woman's to marry you know she seems to have a pretty keen interest in demerzel too which is you know like Oh, where's yeah, and he just brushes it off. Demerzels? He's like, ah, there's somewhere else. Yeah, right, right, and and she's pretty inquisitive. So we certainly expect that's not the last time she inquires about Demerzel. Definitely not. And right, so you know, so that's certainly interesting. Now, on the other hand, you get a sense that Demerzel will be all over that, and on top of any problems that that his new bride might cause i think it's, her name's sarath i think that's something like that, that. Right. but although she's got this really long cool name that um, i had written down last week you know but but still when when we look at at how far demerzel goes to protect the dynasty where she went in and edited the memories of you know the the medical staff uh not only related to the assassination attempt but any possibility that they saw the two of them in a compromising position right so yeah and and again we don't really know what people think demersel is right i mean uh, i mean certainly we talked about whether or not she has agency but that aside just her physical appearance she appears human, so right. we don't know what what people think. Yeah, but over like thousands and thousands of years, you know, like you know, someone probably has seen like a wire poking out here or there, <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. something. You know that like you know, but uh, but yeah, it's obviously a very very close guard secret. But the, with her interest in Demerzel, you start to feel like okay, well, probably there's, like, rumors out and stuff. And, you know, like, there's certainly people must, you know, ask questions about it. You know, what well, is, you know, what's the, the deal th- with Demerzel? Like, do they clone her, too? What's up with that, you know, so. Well, well the other thing I, I, I love about uh, his bride 
is that she is not afraid to really express her own shortcomings. Um, I mean, on the one hand, she challenges how spoiled empire is. You know, you have somebody pick your fork up and put it in your mouth and you know, do they chew for you? But then in the next breath, she admits she has no education. She has no idea how to rule. And in fact, she admits that she was raised essentially to be spoiled and to be a dilettante. And right. now she finds herself because uh, of the deaths of her siblings to be thrust into this new role. And while she understands how important it is, I, I guess what I'm getting at is a lot of her bravado probably stems from the fact that she understands she's not prepared for this step that she's about to take. Right. Well, and but it also is this her offhanded understanding way? of the realities of what uh, Cleon is trying to do. You know, she well, has sure. a much more realistic view of it because, like, she herself is an example of the shortcomings of, uh, you know, an inherited monarchy. Right. And you wonder then whether the two of them will actually develop this emotional bond because each can can give the other what the other lacks. And, and uh, like you said, I don't think either of them lacks intelligence so you know as this relationship moves forward they're going to have to adapt and i i guess i have more faith in brother day to make the right decisions but i mean that remains to be seen uh what do you think about the poem she quotes and then the fact that oh yeah that's that that's banned uh in fact you banned it (laughs) right yeah, that's good. Well, I mean, again, that just kind of shows you like a little bit of her cheek too, right? Yeah. Did they almost kiss? So like they they leaned in, and I thought, ah, oh, is this going to be like fringe? You know, Peter finally leaning in, and, uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, it it uh, it doesn't happen, and and that's right after all the uh, sexual innuendo and whether or not they intended you know, that or whether that's just our dirty minds here in the uh, 21st century. I Well, I, I mean, know, what we've seen so far is, you know, I think the, the stuff that we've picked up on as being suggestive in that way, um, you know, again, as we've seen with uh, with Cleon and Demerzel that, you know, like, uh, when, when we get those vibes that, you know, they're not, we're, we're kind of on point with that, you know. Um, you know, the other thing that, I find fascinating and confusing at the same time are, are Gail's visions of the future. And, you know, we mentioned a couple minutes ago that it, it looks like uh, she's 150 years into the future and there's this, you know, post-apocalyptic, um, you know, dark vision of, of, yeah, I mean, we don't necessarily know where we are at, at that point on, on which planet. Uh, we are at least i don't think we do and and you know this is where she comes face to face with the uh, the mule who's trying to pry the location of the second foundation out of her and and um of course she doesn't have it i don't think at this point right or she doesn't know she has it now I, again that's something else i'm confused about yeah i mean there's 
even though I, I went back and watched the, the first season, there's still like stuff that, yeah, I'm still like kind of unsure of like what's going on, you know. Right. And, and then she, you know, tells, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Gail tells Salvor that I saw you lying next to me and you were dead. It's like, all right, well, maybe you were only mostly dead. So, yeah. <laughs> Fred, Fred, you'd get that reference if you watched the whole movie. Yeah. But, but no, you didn't. So, um, all right, what else now? I, I, I'm not sure what else I've got in my notes. Well, the uh, the, the the younger novice um, has this guy, Peter, right? I, I, I didn't catch whether that was a brother or uh, uh, what the relationship is between her and, and this guy, Peter. Yeah, I got the sense brother. But then again, when that the first... A uh, male individual that that she encounters and hugs after she gets off the ship, she refers to as Peter. So I'm thinking, like, all right, I thought, I thought it said Peter, but yeah. Okay, I'm thinking, okay, that's her father, but then that's not her father because then she sees another individual that she calls her father. Yeah. So I don't know, I'm confused, but I guess that's not that important at this point. Um, well, there's this guy uh, Beliosk that uh, Cleon. Oh, Bel Rios. Bel Rios, okay. Yeah, the general. Yes. Who, um, so this is, you know, a classic example of like, you know, Cleon is distrustful of him because, you know, he won a battle, but by doing it, he disobeyed, you know, an order that Cleon had given him. And so, therefore, now he's like exiled or something, right? So, you know, again, the problems that of, of imperial rule, right? Or one person rule is that doesn't necessarily tend to encourage, you know, creativity or free thinking, right? Um, well, yeah, but you know, he's not wrong when he says that if we've gotten to the point where following an order is optional, then we're, we're in trouble. Right? And he's not yeah. wrong. He's not wrong. He's so, not right. You know? Yeah, I understand. I understand. Like, and, I, I think that that Dominion like says something about like you know, if if your you know your 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 power is on so shaky a ground that you know people can't do what they need to do in order to be successful, you have to question the system, right? I mean, this is a broken system. No. Yeah, and fortunately, he understands that. I'm not sure Dusk does. And I'm not sure uh, Dawn does either. Although I have more confidence that that Dawn can see the writing on the wall. But right, well, Dominion has kind of a little keen interest in him as well. Yeah, so I guess because well, you know, the other first husband doesn't work out. You know, you got this kid will be ready in a couple of years. When we first see Sawena, the the set looked very much like a Star Trek, the original series type set, you know, I saw that's I the vibe I that. got from it. I was like, ah, oh, man. So, mm. um, like again, something I, I assume like they could easily make it more like quote, unquote realistic looking. They, I'm sure they probably, you know, obviously the production values on this are very high. So we can assume something like that, that they do is done on purpose. Yeah. Other than the, what is it? Ign- Ignis, the, the planet that, the oh, is that the planet that's that where Harry and go. yeah? Well, that's because yeah. well, Harry and and Salvor are like 
you know, try think, you know, what, what, what was he trying? What is, what's the place he was trying to get out of you? And she says like, um, location of the second foundation. Nah, that's on the other side of the galaxy. Right. Supposedly. Yeah. Well, I mean, who knows so, how they're going to play it yeah. out now. You know, we just saw right. the mule. He's some badass with blue eyes, you know, like, so I, I like when, uh, Harry first sees Salvor. He's just like, who are you? Yeah, right. Yeah. So they do have some little bits of humor in there. Not much, but some. Uh, I think that's probably about it for me. Okay. All right. Well, let's get to listener feedback, and we'll start with Fred from the Netherlands this week. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Foundation Season 2, Episode 2. Let's first go back to two podcasts ago. That was the podcast about the last episode of season two of Fringe, but we had a discussion about The Princess Bride, which I didn't like. I'm not disappointed in Fred. I'm just sad that Fred did not like The Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. You know, like, man, just like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I ever met anyone who didn't like The Princess Bride. Yeah. Wow. Like, that's that's. Well, that's that's a top five movie, yeah. probably. So, but anyway, hey, teach their own, yeah. right? Yeah, and it might be an American thing. I, I, I'll I acknowledge that. I, I thought know? about that. You know, I I, I wonder. It, it, it could I, be. I don't know, but man, the one, the Princess Bride, dude, like that's. All right. Well, we better stop there. <laughs> probably not going to want to watch uh, Good Omens, though, Fred, because if you don't like the My Python esque humor, then then Good Omens is maybe not for you. Not going to be your cup of tea yeah, either. Yeah. So. <laughs> My wife, in the meanwhile, also watched The Princess Bride and switched it off after, let's say, 30 minutes because it also couldn't catch her. And she is a fan of Monty Python. Perhaps it's an American thing and perhaps there are a lot of references in it that we just miss or something like that. Okay, enough about The Princess Bride. Let's go into last week's Foundation podcast. We were talking about Dutch expressions and Wayne had seen something on the wall of his daughter's room because she has a Dutch roommate. And the expression is, we zullen ze een poepie laten ruiken, which means we shall let them reek a fart, which means something like, we will show them how tough we are. The other expression I used is when I was talking about Queen Sereth. That she wasn't a kitten that could be handled without hand gloves. Zij is geen katje om zonder handschoenen aan te pakken. Which means she is a tough lady. You shouldn't address her without precaution. Another expression is she is a woman with hair on her teeth. Ze is a vrouw met haar op de tanden. Meaning also a very tough lady. Perhaps this stuff interests you as linguistic teachers. Okay, let's go into the episode now. This episode shows that that Queen Serret is indeed a cheeky, without any inhibitions lady. I think the interplay between her and Brother Day was quite nice. Best two quotes were the very frankly asked question, so you are expecting intercourse? And the second was, Brother Day says Dominion is small. And the Queen says, Empire's shrinking. Empire's healthy. Is it? Because there are rumors, Day, 
that the integrity of your hermetically sealed lineage was corrupted some time ago, which would explain, I suppose, your interest in my as yet unexploited womb. Another one was, what of you, Brother Dawn? You will lose a kingdom. Which was also quite a risky one, but she just simply does it. The whole story about Brother Constant and Polyferisov on that planet Siwena interests me less. I understand they are kind of missionaries or so from the Foundation. I didn't get where that story would lead to, what the purpose of it is, or does it just have a kind of world-building purpose? It shows which technology Terminus had developed. So if we see the jump ship and we see these brothers travel and all the tricks they do with the people on the planet, they have quite some technology developed. Or at least available, perhaps bought. Then we get the scenes with Gaal suffocating and seeing the future, 150 years into the future, meeting this mule, getting ideas where they have to go, and then Gaal and Selfor Harden hear something and they know they have to go to Ignatius. Or no, Ignis. All a bit, hand wave, hand wave. I think the whole world building and technology is great, but the story itself is sometimes a little bit difficult. And over-constructed and not always clear. But perhaps everything becomes clearer when we go on into this season. And who the heck is Hobar Mello? But that was said in the episode as well. Getting this name with the opening of the vault on Terminus as well as in Gaal's future vision. A bit much from two sides. Okay, we just will wait until next episode. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Well, Fred, I agree about the interplay between Sarath and Day, you know, especially the sexual innuendos. And, and uh, again, I guess what I find fascinating is really not knowing how many are intentional because there is a certain cheekiness that she displays. And Day seems a lot more receptive to that than dusk and and granted you know she's not going to marry dusk we understand that and and dawn it almost seems like it goes over his head but you know so so i definitely like that fred and then you know the world building great and i i think we've you know made it clear there's certain still certainly a lot of confusion to some of these storylines but yeah I mean, you know, we like complicated. So, all right, what else? Yeah, well, so there's you know a couple of things. First of all, uh, Fred, I, listening to the that uh, the um, the audio being played back, I feel like me was a, too harsh on it. And you know, to, literally everyone has their own taste, and there's nothing wrong with not liking the Princess Bride. And I think no less of you or anyone else. Um, especially for uh, Americans of my generation, it just was one of those movies. Just, just like everyone knows about. It. You say something like "I am not left-handed," uh, like everyone's just like "Ah, ha, ha, that's hilarious." I mean, you know, like I have a secret that I have been hiding, you know, and everything like that. So, uh, which also ties in with uh, thank you for uh, telling me about um, you know Jesse's plaque on her wall. 
that was great because my daughter actually asked her and she, you know, just her roommate told her just what you said, that the, it is a, uh, a saying that basically means, let me show you how, how tough I am, you know, and everything, or let me show you, I can, I'm going to give it all I got or something to that effect. Um, so, you know, it's just so funny how, how language works like that and how like little translations of things don't always work out to the uh, colloquial or the metaphorical meanings of those things. So, um, but I, and I thank you for, for telling us this because I am fascinated by, uh, those things like language, like that communication. And, uh, so I really appreciate that. Okay. All right. Um, let's hear what Alan in England's got and we'll be right back with that. Hello to Dave, Wayne, and everyone listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Alan from England here with some feedback relating to Foundation Glimpse of Darkness. And welcome back after your power issues. It's really good to know you're back podcasting again. What I'm watching, I finished Strange New Worlds Season 2. Really wonderful, uh, apart from the complete cliffhanger at the end of Episode 10. But I'll live with that. Finished Yord Scott, season one and two. Finished season one in a state of some puzzlement, as I was absolutely sure there were two scenes that showed the chief investigator, Vass, being a certain kind of person, and it just didn't happen. I thought I'd missed it. I went back and watched the whole thing again. Nope, just my false memories. That was really strange. Two Foundation, Season 2, Episode 2, A Glimpse of Darkness. Well, we have quite a few glimpses of darkness here as we struggle to work out what's going on. The episode continues from exactly where the previous one finished. On the ship, Harry is not happy about being left conscious for 138 years, but that's hardly anyone else's fault. We have confirmation that a second Foundation is required, and that this Selden consciousness is a different instance to the other consciousness associated with the uh, vault at the Foundation. So, just to mention it once, the overall kind of thousand-year arc of the novel is probably fairly similar to the series. Many individual elements are similar. We hear about Second Foundation, characters called Mallow, or the mule, but the actual mid-level or character stories in chronology have just been completely put through the blender. So we have many moments of recognition, but quite where it's all going, it is pretty difficult to say, but I suppose that is no bad thing. When Harry is talking about history being subverted, we can't help think the whole plot of the story has been similarly subverted, and it's going to take serious efforts to get back on track, but we'll see how it goes. Harry does save the ship without too much argument, so that's a pretty positive move. We see those Foundation brothers uh, pushing the Foundation as some kind of religious or spiritual movement supported by their advanced technology, which indeed was a major novel theme, uh, with the ever-relevant advice, avoid lightning. Meanwhile, on Trantor, Demersel just appears more and more powerful and confident each time we see her, that way she holds herself. They are no further forward investigating the recent assassination attempt, and she suggests making use of a certain Belle Rios, although now I can't remember if that was from season one or just remembering them from the book. I think the latter. 
I note that Cleon switches from being dead against the idea to then saying, well, if uh, Rios doesn't agree, then they should be immediately killed. A somewhat mercurial response. Dawn, day and dusk are trying hard to remain synchronous with their knives and forks and movements and actions. They're working really hard at that, whereas it used to come so completely naturally. That uh, Queen of the Cloud Dominion is sometimes attempting to win over some of the three, and sometimes seeming to be so direct or critical that you feel the tension building, and that at some point maybe Demersel's going to have to have uh, serious words with her. The Foundation Brothers are working their technological magic, but Polly isn't happy. We now find he's over a hundred and was the same boy as involved in the first crisis. This is another character reimagined with extraordinary lifespan so as to glue more of the story together. Meanwhile, Gale jumps forward to view time 150 years later in that vision and bumps immediately into the mule character. Very different from his introduction in the novel, but then she's jumped to later in the story, and so of course much of the events in the novel might still be about to happen and still happen in the same way, but we've just left over them. Back on Terminus, Polly is feeling very excluded, as that new uh, mayor or warden of Terminus wants his photo opportunity slash meeting with Zeldon. And you can just feel that's about to go very badly wrong for him. The more that they build up that speech to the others near the vault, and sure enough, this warden's on fire, only being used to deliver the demand to get Hober Mallow, and possibly to get back to the plot. Finally, Gail reveals in her flash-forward that she saw Salva dead by her side. Although, as this is supposed to be 150 years in the future, I didn't feel that was of imminent concern, unless, of course, they're about to go into cryosleep for an extended period of time, and it would be a lot closer in their subjective future. Although, as none of these characters ever met each other in the novel, i got no idea what's going to go on anyway. I'm starting to think it was a lot easier watching Brave New World when I read the novel afterwards. Take care. Alan from England. All right. Well, Alan, Fred, uh, thank you. Uh, great feedback as always. Um, you know, I'm going to go B plus again. I, I don't know. You know, there's something about the storyline being this confusing. And, and I feel like on the other hand, it's like, you know, listeners are saying, well, maybe that's your fault. Don't criticize the show because you can't follow it. And there's something to be said for that. But I'm going to stick with B plus for my end. Um, yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to go with A minus actually this time around. Um, I just, I liked the action at the end. Um, and even though the mule is completely different than the book, I thought it was pretty cool how they introduced him. And also like, I just like how they are just kind of going you know, quote unquote off script and how different the, the, um, the, the show is from the, the novel. Um, I find that admirable that they are, you know, using their own, whereas, you know, shows like, you know, dare I say game of Thrones, we saw like once they had run out of the uh, source material, uh, the quality seemed to be impacted there a little bit. So, um, yeah, 
So I'm going to give it an A minus okay. for uh, for spunk and pluck. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's go ahead and leave it there. Um, that'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Foundation, the cancellation of the peripheral, you know, our return to Fringe in a few weeks or maybe a couple months rather. Check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is where you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about Season 2, Episode 3 of the Apple TV Plus series Foundation. But until then... You know, Dave, I always think it's like always... I, I enjoy starting the day off with a nice cup of tea because, you know, get a little tea and then you'll be perky enough to wipe your ass and greet the day with a smile. <laughs>